What is up, everybody? Awesome episode today. Got to talk with a longtime friend of mine, Jack Ryan, who owns Fairwinds CrossFit and his partner. We talk about a ton of stuff. We talk about how to enter business with a partner, which not a lot of people do. We talk about coaching. We talk about running the affiliate. We talk about communicating with your community via different formats or mediums, podcasting, writing, all of that stuff. Uh, there's just some really, really good gems in here um, from a guy that I introduced to CrossFit uh, and is just a really just just awesome person uh, more than a decade ago. And uh, just really, really cool to see and just never underestimate that the impact you have on people, what that ripple effect can be over the long term if you, you know, just be nice to people, give people the best hour of their day. Um, but here's my interview with Jack Ryan, and his partner, Eric Hoyp uh, from Fairwinds CrossFit. Oh, just talking about how much we hate Google Drive. All right, everybody, welcome back to the best hour of their day. It's Fern here. I am here uh, with a good friend of mine, long time, Jack Ryan and his business partner, Eric Hoyt. They own Fairwinds CrossFit. And uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Most of this is going to be relevant to the affiliate owner uh, slash new coach. So take some notes on this one. Uh, Jack and I have known each other. I was trying to figure this out yesterday. Like, 10 years almost? Yes. 2000, the fall of 2008, I came, okay. actually it in the summer of 2008, yeah. I came and found you um, tucked away in some warehouse <laughs> in uh, Virginia Beach at Expeditionary Support Unit 2, grumpy, <laughs> angry, uh, <laughs> sweaty. Yeah. So for anybody who's trying to envision what this looks like, this is the life of any supply officer in the Navy, just <laughs> sitting in a warehouse being pissed off at the world. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but no, Jack was my operations officer when I was at Mobile Unit 12. We deployed together to Iraq and uh, I introduced Jack to CrossFit and uh, typical story like, hey, what are you doing? Let's try this out. And, uh, and then he's gone on to do a bunch of different things, started his own affiliate. He's worked at other affiliates, started the affiliate at the Naval Academy. Uh, yep. He is also a Naval Academy grad, second Naval Academy grad we've had on the podcast. So, nice. um, but my first question for you, Eric, is how is it working with somebody who is the subject of so many Tom Clancy books? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that doesn't come up as much as, or as often as you'd think. Um, of course, when I tell people, I was like, oh, yeah, my business partner, Jack Ryan. It's like, the, wait, the Jack Ryan? <laughs> yeah, the Jack Ryan. It, <laughs> it's So I have to ask you this, Jack, because I don't think I've ever asked you this. Like, obviously, anybody who's like into, well, it's now on Amazon as a, as a series, yeah. but um, were, did you always go by Jack or did that come about when you got to the Naval Academy? And you're That's just like, this is cool. Yeah, no, that is a good question. No, I was born um, about eight years before the first book came out. So I was a, I'm a junior. And so my dad went by Pat. I had an uncle John on one side of the family. My mom always wanted a Jack, but she and my dad wanted a junior. So I was Jack right from the get go. Um, when I got to the Naval, or actually even in the process of applying to the Naval Academy, clearly the Tom Clancy series and the name was prevalent. But uh, there was an actual, there was a guy from Slate who called and interviewed while I was teaching at school. Um, and uh, you know, he tried, he really wanted there to be something. And as a literature professor, I, ch I kept trying to explain to him, look, man, fiction is great, but reality is often a lot more interesting. And uh, those characters served a purpose for Tom Clancy as a writer. 
that's it. The name doesn't mean shit. If you go into any sort of Ireland phone directory, there's about a thousand Ryans, and most of them are named John, Patrick, or some variation of John and Patrick. And so it's not a very, un, it's an extremely common name. What, when, I was, I was gonna look it up this morning, I just got lazy, but I was trying to figure out when did the, like the Patriot uh, games and all that, the movies come out? Like, do you ever get, you ever yeah, get confused so for Harrison book, Ford? Yeah, the book was 85. Um, I think the movies came out late 80s. Did we um, books out of them? <laughs> yeah, books are first. Uh, thanks, Eric. And, uh, and you know, I think the transition, I love, Alec Baldwin's awesome. I think Harrison Ford kind of ran the show. Anything after that was sort of a shade of, of those two characters. I think this reboot of the series on Amazon is not too bad, but not to get. I thought it was. I thought the first season was really good, but yeah, I was wondering. I was trying to think. I was like, I'm pretty sure these movies came out because you graduated in ninety ninety nine. Ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. So I was one year. I got there one year after you left. Okay. Um, yeah. So for so Jack was uh, obviously an EOD officer. That's where we met, and then he um, just retired June. June. Yep. Yeah, June, June after twenty uh, years. Yep, 20 years, finished his career at the Naval Academy where he went to a permanent military professor job there to uh, ride out his time, which is a pretty sweet gig, by the way. <laughs> he was teaching English. He was teaching... Yeah. Uh, I like to say I was, called, I was actually... So-called truckers English for the idiots. We do. We taught, we, uh, I taught that for two semesters, which was pretty great. Um, and it's funny, they actually transitioned it. We now call them the Harvards because there's only... Uh, if we like to say that the Naval Academy is comparable to an Ivy League, there's only one other Ivy League institution that makes all of their students take three semesters of English, regardless of their major, and that's Harvard. And so really? our, our trucker English, you know, our remedial English uh, students are on par with students from Harvard. Taking and it is remedial, folks. It is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. They're, often the most, they're often the most enjoyable students, though. Yeah, so that that class was always super fun for me, and then uh, Smooth Five, which is math for morons, uh, which is basically like remedial calculus, where it's just it's literally nothing but football, baseball, lacrosse, and basketball players sleeping through through class in that one. So basically, what you're telling us, what you're telling us, Jason, is uh, you were never there's there's two categories of you know. Um, performers in the sense of you're either a smart performer or a strong performer and it's a good thing that you were pretty strong i was strong just not <laughs> academically <laughs> i people all people there i have i've had very few people make the assumption that i'm intelligent uh because i went to the, <laughs> because I went to the naval academy and i'm like listen i graduated with a 2.11 it was bare i barely graduated and at one point I was 1,012 out of 1,018 as far as my academic ranking. So nice. I was uh, almost the anchor man. Still a little bit grumpy about that, but you know. <laughs> but you gotta get. You didn't get enough trouble. I know that I did not. I didn't. I, I got. I think I got demerits like once. Like that, I was good. I was getting away with things that I could do <laughs> all day long. I was very well versed there. Uh, but anyway, so. Let's talk a little bit about both of your introductions and kind of journey through CrossFit. Like Jack, I gave a little bit of a, a brief introduction of yours, but let's go through yours and then Eric will talk about yours as well and then how that kind of led you both to opening your affiliate that you currently have. Sure. So as you, as you mentioned, um, you know, that deployment to Iraq in, in 09 after uh, you subjected me to fight gone bad, I was definitely hooked. Um, 
transitioned from that command to uh, a job in Hawaii where there was a CrossFit following at the command at, at Mobile Diving Salvage Unit 1, but they kind of were just all over the place. And so I sort of chalked that up to my first quote unquote affiliate. We weren't affiliated, but I had a, I had a budget. I was able to buy equipment. We set up classes. We had a couple folks who had their level ones or at least had some familiarity with coaching. And Brian Powers, who's at uh, Oahu now, I think like they're a conglomerate of some sort. Um, but he was running sort of a train the trainer type of course <clears throat> that we were able to send a handful of our guys at the individual unit level through, which worked out really well for me because I got to keep going through it. So basically it was sort of like a level one, but not a level one. And I got to see the, if you chunk it into, you know, running an affiliate as has different buckets or categories of skill sets, this was the, you have all the money in the world, you don't have a lot of space, and you kind of got like a transient type of population, what kind of structure should you set up? And it's sort of this idea of really learning how to farm out the skill set to as many people as possible so they can kind of be autonomous. What so were some was, of the big, so now that I'm thinking about that as far as like skill sets, what was, if you were to look back on that now, what would you say were like the one or two biggest things that you took away from that that you currently use in your affiliate? Like, hey, when I learned that I have to, be really efficient with my space or whatever it might be? Yeah, um, I would say it is just because you have all the money in the world or you have funds to buy kind of whatever you want, there is a universality in barbells, bumper plates, dumbbells, and a rig, and that's it. And the rig, really a pull-up bar is, is all you need. Um, and so, because you want to be thinking – how can I get the most flexibility in this equipment? And when I mean flex, use of flexibility for guys and athletes who don't have a whole lot of time and they just want to come in and move well, safely, so that they can stay fit and, and do okay. That, that sort of non-competitor, nobody in that group, though there were three guys that eventually did end up going to the games on teams, but from different affiliates. Yeah. Sort of a, how can I create a... Um, a system that is supported with its equipment that I'm not going to be running on a day-to-day -day basis. So sort of like really big picture owner mm -hmm. rather than sort of uh, in the weeds coach um, manager, just sort of like, what can I approve that won't get anybody in trouble and will last because you're only going to get to buy stuff about once a year. Yeah. And I think this kind of goes back to the, where most people started back in the day, which is like simple is better. Yes. Like, always, always, always. One of the things that happens is this is typically what I see in some of the newer gyms that I go to that have a lot of funds, which is they have all this stuff and then the programming eventually kind of turns into what Freddie Camacho, who was on the show recently would describe as the any asshole workout, which it means, <laughs> which means any asshole can just throw all that stuff on a paper, put it in some sort of rep scheme and make a workout. And it's not difficult to make something hard. Like it, it's yeah. incredibly easy to make something hard. That doesn't mean it's effective. The, so from, yeah, from there, if we, if we kind of think like, um, I then came to the Academy, uh, I transitioned to that permanent military professor role and similar situation, there were, there were people doing CrossFit. They had a racquetball court. Um, we actually had some support from folks in the PE department. And um, 
but again, it was sort of a, a hodgepodge of a lot of body weight stuff, a lot of circuit stuff. And now the challenge would be, all right, you got a lot of really fit athletic people. You don't have a whole lot of money. You kind of got a very constrained time, but they don't move well. And so now it was less about being sort of an owner and sort of, uh, you have people who just did not know how to coach, did not know how to move, didn't know how to structure a class. And so creating sort of, I would say with the academy, it was a little bit of equipment stuff. So it took the skill set from the month, from the, the previous time, got the basic starter set for them to be able to, to run a class of anywhere between. And this is, um, you guys talked about it. I was thinking in eights and twelves. So this idea of the racquetball space could fit feasibly inside of it, eight people safely. Mm -hmm. You swell to a class of 12. Now you got to bump out a little bit. Maybe you're limited with what you can actually do, but there's at least room to make it work. Anything more than that, then it just becomes a goat rope and it's different. So we basically would say classes would have eight spots. The coach could let it swell to 12. At that point, the doors were closed. Sorry, you had to kick people away. Um, and then coaching. Like I coached whew, probably a thousand classes over the course of that first five years uh, of running That's that. A lot. I mean, I was coaching three classes a day, five days a week, and then usually seeing them on Saturdays. And so it was, and it was all year summers off. Okay. So, so let me ask you this, cause this happens too, right? So I, this is a perfect segue, which is like, yeah. so you, you were in Hawaii, you're training, you come to the Naval Academy and there's two pieces there. The first one is j just like going to any military unit. I've got to get buy-in from the head shed as far as like, this is okay. We're not going to kill people. You know, not every rhabdo is not contagious, you know? Um, but wh where would you, where would you place yourself in your coaching uh, development or career the gotcha. day you start that? And then most people are like, well, how do I start coaching? You know, like, I'm not ready. Yeah. Um, I think maybe the, the unfair advantage is that I had a little bit of rank. So I had a little bit of like um, buy-in right from the get-go simply because what I wore on my collar versus what they wore on their collar. Um, but at the same token, with that, there was a sort of a, a duality of I could kind of get away with whatever I wanted. Whatever I said, they would believe. But at the same token, I had a responsibility to actually know what the hell I was talking about and to admit and say like, hey, we're going to mess with this stuff together, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe we, I think we started following Outlaw at first because um, I was like, I don't really know about programming. I mean, I can figure it out, but whatever. And quickly realized way too much. So then we followed .com for a year. Much better, but it got a little bit boring. Um, and so, <laughs> as you said, boring is not always bad. It's just- not always bad. It's effective, but it was tough to keep them engaged. And so we settled on kind of like a mishmash of different things out there, as we talked about earlier. Um, you know, comp I know Pat Barber had one for a while there that was awesome. Um, Sherwood stuff with mm -hmm. Linton is awesome, simple, but yet still engaging. There is no perfect programming. There is simply perfect execution. And so we, we settled on something that they saw gains and the fun battle with them became, for me as a coach, at that phase where I was, was coming to realize that it does not matter what they actually did as long as we executed it well and they consistently did it. I think that is one of the most important lessons a coach, a gym owner could learn is that we far too often get way too attached to our programming. And the yeah. reality is, 
exactly what you just said. There is extremely strong argument for the fact that programming doesn't matter at all. Like not one bit. Couplets and triplets. Couplets and triplets. And, and, and history would verify that and validate that because most of us didn't know what we were doing when we started programming and people still got fit. Like most of us moved like trash when we first started and we still got fit. And then we started to make it sexy and more volume and the spreadsheet really matters and it doesn't matter. I think Pat Barber said it, which was, hey, you know what? A good coach can do a lot with shitty programming. A bad coach can't do anything with the best programming in the world. It does not matter. What, what matters is your ability to walk in the door and effectively change movement in a very finite amount of time and make people have a good time while they're doing it. Yeah. And so I think with this, that time frame of bouncing between, and I was coaching at a couple of affiliates in the area, um, in the Annapolis area as well. Um, it gave me the opportunity to see a broad spectrum of movers from really athletic 18 to 24 year olds who actually just don't move that well, a lot of mobility issues, um, to adults and kids in the Annapolis area who maybe moved a little bit better, had, you know, lives and different ailments that I got at that point, went to a couple, um, you know, specialty courses, got my level two, kind of did those sorts <coughs> of, uh, more formulaic developments, mm-hmm. but just time under tension on the floor, learning what style worked for me, seeing how a lot of what I learned in the military does apply. A lot of what I learned in the military does not apply. Um, people do not like to be yelled at. Then again, some people do <laughs> like to be yelled at. So it's sort of this, there is no one size fits all, which you know makes my brain explode. What do you mean? You're not gonna do what I tell you to do because I told you to do it. Um, and systems. I learned the importance of uh, both appreciating the systems, but then also appreciating when certain individuals shit all over the system and let it go away as I tap Eric on the shoulder. So it's, you find, I think that's the move of when we opened our boxes, we realized we complemented each other very well, have a, have a very large Venn diagram center, but also we don't force each other to go into that Venn diagram circle because mm-hmm. that balance is what keeps us from me running this place like a freaking boot camp and nothing ever running on time because this place running like the middle <laughs> of a tornado right at all times. but at the same token everything running on time the way it's supposed to i don't care about people right like that's the far end of my spectrum versus we'll sit and talk with one person all day because that's the most important thing in the world but forget like we got to pay bills too. Yeah. And so it's, and I'm, I'm being, I'm being facetious. Like that's not, you know, but, but that's a real scenario and it's, and which is a perfect segue to talk about you, Eric, but that's, that's a lot why Jason and I work together. Like we're not the same in a lot of ways. Like there's certain things he good at, he's good at, and there's certain things that I'm good at. And we've, we've talked about that and we've said, Hey, this is your part. This is my part. Yeah. And we'll talk about what overlaps there. But for the most part, like I'm going to let you do your thing. And I think it takes probably a little bit of, a bit of maturity to kind of let some of those things go when you're like, Hey, listen, like you're better at that than I am. And that's okay. Like I'm totally fine with that. So Eric, you, you had a little bit of a different start. Um, like you started kind of in spin and then kind of found your way to, to CrossFit, yeah. correct? <laughs> it's like, that was a very like short version. Um, <laughs> we had more time. I 
<laughs> I've had a lot of different paths to get to where I am today. Um, it just happened I was, that path started, I was working at the VA and I actually started in the, uh, the canteen. So in that little convenience store in the uh, basement. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And uh, they opened up a coffee shop in there and I was hired to run the coffee shop. So that's where I started. Nice. And uh, so it was a, it was not an official Starbucks. It was a, we proudly brew Starbucks. So they sell <laughs> stuff with the Starbucks logo on it, but we can't take your gift cards. And, uh, so, but it was, um, yeah, I was, I was the morning guy. So when everyone came in for their, their morning coffee run, which is the line running out the door and then secretary, secretary Shinseki at the time with his, uh, his venti skim mocha with no whip. I remember that one in particular. That was his. That was his beverage of choice. But um, but yeah, I kind of ran that show, and it was. I just love interacting with people. I, if I went down all the jobs that I've had in some form or another, I'm interacting with people all the time, all day, every day. Uh, it's the few jobs that I had where I was sitting in front of a computer by myself, which is where I probably drove myself crazy the most. Um, but it was uh, working at Starbucks line where the, the lady who ran the, um, the fitness center came up to me and she's like, you seem really great with people. You should ever thought about being a spin instructor. And I said, absolutely not. No, I never thought about being a spin instructor, let alone a fitness instructor of any kind. And she talked me into it. I went and got a spinning certification, loved it. Um, and then left the Starbucks, started working in that fitness center. And so it was one day these guys were coming in and uh, I mentioned that they were two very fit guys with very form-fitting clothing, so they were handsome <laughs> dudes, to say the least. Uh, but they came in one day, and they stacked up a bunch of those, like, step aerobic boxes. Oh, yeah. Um, stacked up, and we're trying to do, like, their max box jump on those things. And it's always one of those, like, CrossFit Veil videos you see waiting to happen, like they're going to land too far forward or too far back and wipe out. And the ceilings were no – I mean, the ceilings are maybe seven, eight feet tall, no much taller than – not much taller than any – like regular office space. But I asked them what they were doing. They were telling me about CrossFit. This close friend of mine told me about this thing, CrossFit. I went to .com, I saw the stuff. I thought it looked awesome. Um, but I'm not the person that watches a YouTube video and is like, I'm gonna try that thing that looks scary and heavy and dangerous. I never lifted weights. Like I played sports in high school. Um, I never really lifted weights much, but I've always been a decent sized guy, a large American, if you will. And um, just never went near weights. And so it wasn't something that I wanted to try on my own because I knew for a fact that I was going to hurt myself. After like a year or so, I finally got myself into a box. Um, Our box. Where, yeah. Jack, where I met Jack. Where I was working. Uh, you were one of my first coaches. And uh, I can't remember if my first, like the first workout after the introductory was the box jump one where it was literally like come in, jump as high as you can on a box. Or if it was a double under workout where for an hour I just sat there and whipped myself. I remember burpees and deadlifts. Because I remember you almost throwing, throwing up over the overhang. Remember how the at the it was there wasn't a, a flat up drive up. It was sort of an elevated yeah. overhang, and we were doing burpees and deadlifts. And I rem and so this might have been like a week or two weeks. I, but I that's the first like distinct memory I have of him, and like holding on to the garage door railing and kind of like hanging out as if he was going to throw. I'm like, oh god, I'm gonna lose this guy. He's gonna tumble, have a head trauma. I'm done. I'm gonna get fired. I'm not gonna get my retirement. Like, and, it, and you recovered. And it was it's funny. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, that's what I. That's that was the workout I remember. <laughs> that's what people do with traumatic experiences, Eric. They block them out. <laughs> right? Is that what it was? Um, so, so I wanna. I want to kind of ask you guys both and you guys can both give your own answers but like so obviously you're very different have very different skill sets so obviously 
Jack, you're a systems person. Eric, you're people. Jack, you're small. Eric, you're big. <laughs> <laughs> you know, military, civilian. Like how? Like at what point do do all of those differences somehow turn into a partnership where you guys are now running this business together? That's a good point. So you want to eat the answer? We were always. Um, I don't think I. I think I always knew Jack was a bit of a systems guy and just the relationship we had built. Cause he was the, at, at Crossfall Bay where we met. Uh, I forget how long you were there. I forget how long I was working out there and you were there. I think I had started, I'd been there for about six months and then started coaching. Yeah. And then you were there not much longer after, that. after yeah. that. Yeah. And so we always maintain this friendship and I don't think, um, I think it was just the relationship we had. Like I, I think I, he started working in the garage. I was still working at Old Bay. And I think it was just conversations back and forth about how the gym was going, how coaching was going, and just how we kind of always bounced stuff off each other. And I think it was always kind of seen how when, when he ran a class from, from zero minute from the time class starts to the way it ends and seeing how he had every second accounted for um, was something that I knew just kind of, that was how I got a, a look into Jack's systems. And then I think Jack, just seeing like, hey, you are good with people. I think it was just always those conversations back and forth. And when we started, I think we started running a kids program out of your garage. Yeah, and then it was just did. kind of yeah. seeing, and then it was just kind of seeing how that little bit from 10 to 12 kids, um, seeing how I worked in that space and how he worked in that space. I think we saw like this could be something really cool. Yeah. Um, even if only on a small level. So for me, um, I as I was thinking about uh, moving into starting my own thing, started in the garage because, you know, I'm always a big fan, even in teaching literature, you know, I keep going back further and further and further to find like, well, you know, that story seems like it was been told before. So you go back to the Renaissance. Oh, that story seems to be told before. You go back to the Bible. Oh, that seems to be, oh, you go back to Homer. Like we keep telling the same story over and over again. So I was like, all right, starting an affiliate, what should I do? Well, Glassman wrote an article and he said, start in your garage, get 10 people, move out, get more people, go bigger, go and don't wait. You got to wait until three to four people complain. Don't move. Wait until three to four people quit, then move. And so it was sort of this idea of like, all right, I'm starting out in my garage and it's going to be slow growth and we're going to do this. And I was going to go solo. And then I remembered for the last 20 years of my life, 25 years of my life, you know, you know through summer high school, all of Academy military, I've never worked alone. Even in when you're independent operator, you're part of a team, teams always work better, blah, 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 all that kitsch stuff. But the reality is because you get balanced by somebody who can complement your weaknesses or complement your strengths and counteract your weaknesses. I distinctly remember thinking like, all right, well, Eric's name always would come up in my mind because I always knew that he was similar to me in a lot of ways of he, I think he sells himself short of the art with which he runs a class. He's accounting for every second as well. It's just not written down. It's instinctual. Mm -hmm. It's in there. Um, but it's accounted for. We did a, my birthday, um, in March before things were kind of formalized and I was moving on. I asked him if he would be willing to run a workout for about five or six of friends and stuff in town. It swelled to, we probably like had 20. Yeah, there was, it was group, yeah. way more than I told him it would be. And I didn't give him any heads up and we just showed up and he, and I said, of a true partner, Eric, right yeah, there. Right? And, and, and I just sort of, I just sort of said like, this is the way I want it to feel. We want to do a bunch of stuff, kind of chipperish, blah, blah, blah. 
and it was awesome. And it was on the fly. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh my God, if I had done this to somebody, they wouldn't be my friend anymore. And he did it with a smile and actually like thanked us afterwards, thanked me like, oh, thanks so much. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is a guy that would put up with my crap and be willing to go in on this with me. And so then we actually had a real conversation and we sat down and we did exactly like he said, we talked about, these are the things I think I do well. These are the things I think you do well. These are the things I think we can really knock out of the park and let's do it. So what, when you have in that conversation, because this is something else that comes up pretty regularly is like, my first question is, did you guys develop some sort of operating agreement? And then who owns what responsibilities within the business? Because this is probably the one of the biggest mistakes. First and foremost, very few partnerships within CrossFit affiliates work for a multitude of reasons. Most of them don't make enough money, but then most of them fail because they fail to have conversations on the front end. Yeah. So what did that look like when you guys sit down and you're like, we're going to do this, but there's a couple things that have to happen first. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take this one. So, cause yeah. I just, I distinctly remember saying, I said, we need to do that. But I think if we, we're going to shoot at a target that we don't even know where it is and we're going to close our eyes, spin and shoot, it's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. So I said, number one, we are 50, 50, we are 50, 50 financial. We are 50, 50 workload. We are 50, 50 everything but that number is qualitative. And so we knew each other's situations. I was still teaching at the academy full time. He had just had a baby or his daughter was on the way. He also had another job. So there was sort of this like, you know, I'll do most me, I'll do most of the back end stuff. You got to cover most of the on the floor gym stuff. That is not a quantitative hour thing. But the rule is if you feel like at some point you're not doing 50 or you feel like you're doing more, you need to say something before you get angry and let's give it about six months, eight months. Let's see where we fall out, which as you've been on teams in the military, this is a very normal conversation that good teams have during what's called the norming phase that you are forming up and norming into these relationships that like, look, this is what the SOP says, this is what the standard operating procedure says, but I don't work that way. You might, let's see where it falls out. So we got a template, but at the one year, it was just over the one year mark, we actually wrote, and they make fun of me, I wrote a SORM, Standard Operating Regulation Manual. And it's by codes, I have, we have the one code, the two code, the three code, the four code, everything's mm -hmm. broken out into departments or categories or roles. Within that are subsets of like, okay, this is where it falls, and it's a living document. But then we parsed it out, and we said, this is yours, this is mine, this is yours, this is mine. And now we have spaces for our coaches and our staff that is starting to come on board to fit and who's responsible for them, who has that task word, like all that stuff. And I, they make fun. I have, we have a po we have poems. Hey, look, oh, fuck those <laughs> things, man. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is actually one of the skill sets that I picked up in the military that I did not ever believe was going to be valuable, which is the, yeah. just, you know, because in supply, there's rules for everything. It's just like, if this, then that, and this is how this works, and this is the process. Um, but that's not what I wanted to ask. That's not the important part. People should do that, but people don't because it's boring. Yes. They're like, this is painful. I don't want to do it. I'm like, yeah, but that's why everything here is a shit show, because you've failed to put in rules. Um, you, you just have to know when to break the rules, right? They're yeah. not set in stone. He's really good at that, like really, really good. Where I'm really good at breaking rules, but but in a way that no. always is driven towards the user's experience. 
the person's experience, the customer coming in, because I will default to, well, that customer was 10 minutes late. They don't get to do class, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, man, <laughs> just be happy they're here. Yeah. So, yeah. so he was, He's coming from the emergency room where his daughter broke his leg. Calm right, down. Yeah. Right. And it's, I think, he, I, I remember you said it one time, Eric said it one time, and somebody wrote or said, like, the thing that people remember about him, that I remember about him is he always greets you with a smile and leaves you with a smile, even if he got an hour of sleep last night because Fiona didn't sleep or there was a fight. It doesn't matter. That's not important. You're the most important person thing in the world when he's talking to you. And that is something that it's a skill set that I have started to develop. And I think <laughs> he sells himself short because he's he is much I mean, of a, he's Jackson empathetic dude, but this is I, this one actually is for you, Eric. So you guys obviously had the conversation about having a, that that timeout or whatever you want to call it, be like, hey, this is not working. I'm feeling I'm feeling like I'm shouldering the brunt of the work. You know, how do you guys have rules on those conversations? And then what have you guys had like a significant disagreement thus far? And how was it resolved? I um it was funny when when we had the conversation when Jack wrote out the flow chart of all the systems and restorm. I'm sorry, the storm. The storm. <laughs> I only know CrossFit acronyms, Jack. Yeah. Um <laughs> But uh, I think that, that timing could have been better too because I was starting to get to a point where I was starting to feel he's like he was he's coaching and he's doing all this backhand stuff and it's hard um, for me to like he said the the whole like user experience and and running the floor and blah 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 is there's it's not quantitative and so in my mind I feel like Jack's caring so much and I'm not doing enough and I was. I, I think I was having trouble feeling like that it was actually an equal share and I felt like he was doing so much and I was dragging ass and that time couldn't have when he put that together came at a great time because now it's like here's this visualization here's this thing in front of me that I can look at and say here's actually what you do do and here's what I do and yeah. I can refer to that when I need to make sure if I feel like I'm slipping which and I'll roll, I'll roll like an avalanche, right? Yeah. If there's a, if there's a vacuum of skill or vacuum of task, I'll just fill it. Cause that's yeah. what, that's what, we've that's been what you do. Mission accomplishment, right? Yeah. Like I don't care. We'll after action report this later, but feelings be damned. Like I'm going to roll right over top of you. Yeah. And so he, that I remember him saying like, dude, I need, we were at a, to answer your question, we do a, a weekly meeting and I listened to your uh, episode on meetings. Um, we have a we have a timeline. We keep it to forty five minutes. Like it's a very deliberate thing because I totally agree. Um, afterwards, I put out a bunch of stuff, mm -hmm. and afterwards, Eric, we finishing, and he goes, "Hey, I need to talk to you." And so the rules are kind of I think with these conversations, we don't have any. It truly is if the other person needs to express it. I think we've come to a place where you're respectful, you are very specific, and you talk about how the actions are making you feel, not that the other person is always doing something. Yeah. We had a meeting with our wives before this whole thing kicked off. We went to coffee, the four of us sat down, and we basically said, are you guys okay? To our wives, we said, are you guys okay that basically Eric and I are marrying each other with this job? No, no, that's a that's a real conversation, and yes. and and Ackerman and I talk about that all the time because you know now that we're doing this, we talk multiple times a day, 
Yeah. Like, <clears throat> and it's, and it's, I think, paid dividends because there has been. There's been times where I've pissed off my wife with, we said we were going to, she and I talked about like what was going to happen, where we were going to expand, how things were going to move. Mm-hmm. And then he and I talked and we were like, oh, we like that much better. And I didn't come back and, you know, rebrief her yeah. on what the new plan was. Yeah. And it's happened since. And I'm like, oh, I forget. Did I tell you? And she's like, no, you told your other, you told your other wife right. or your other it, husband. It's, it's good and bad because you do tend to kind of leave this other person out who's involved, but only like on the periphery. periphery. Right. Right. But so in the, that sense, I think it's a good way to, to approach it because I think if you look at it like, and, and, I, and I know you say, you say this jokingly, but I think it probably works because you do look at it as a marriage, right? Which is like, yeah. we're, we're like in a legit relationship where if we don't make this work, this is going to be catastrophic for both of us. Where yeah. I think a lot of other people look at it as like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's transactional versus like, this is a relationship and we this is going to take work to make it work. Yeah. And the thing itself, the box, the affiliate, the community is now its own thing. Mm -hmm. And so as much as I'm important and he's important, like a marriage, it is its own entity that sometimes we have to forgo our own personal desires if it benefits the, the marriage. And that's the part I think as far as a strength goes, he always instinctively has that, sense of what would make this thing better and then i feel like i'm better at the okay nuts and bolts you know on the ground tactical level how do we execute that yeah. where do we find the money where's the t- schedule yeah yeah so have you guys had a significant disagreement at this point uh just that like <clears throat> he basically told me to settle the f down and oh, like got it. It, you, include me like you've yeah. got to brief me on things before and he was right like it was like you're right I was operating as if I was the only one in the house and that's inappropriate I don't remember what that was because you're so damn nice it wasn't even <laughs> it really I mean as, as far as arguments go but it really was it was like it, it was in a very nice way of like hey dude you can't do that like I'm 50 50 and it's, it's- it's interesting that you say that, Eric, and I'm curious what your thoughts on this are, is that was one of the hard lessons that I had to learn. And I think this is probably true for most people that leave the military, where the military is obviously a very authoritative, authoritarian <laughs> environment where like, I don't have to ask you guys to make a decision. Like I'm the boss, like we're making the decision, we're moving forward. Uh, but you and everybody in the military is kind of okay with that, but just cause that's how it works. Like you, the, hey, the, the rank wins. So everybody just shut your face and we're going to move on. But that doesn't work in the real world because people can just tell you like, no, I don't like that. Like this yeah. sucks, like whatever. Um, like how were, how is that for you, Eric? Like trying to deal with that on the, on the front end. So it's funny. I've never, I've never looked at Jack as Lieutenant Commander Ryan. Uh, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good start, you know? Yeah, like I, it's, I have respect for his position in the Navy and, and what he's done, but um, that, that's never really affected me directly. Yeah. Um, and so I've always seen him as, as Jack, the, my friend or CrossFit coach or business partner. And, um, and so I'm not a, I think early on because he's not, Jack's older than me, but he's not that much older than me. And, um, but I've always, I kind of looked at him as a mentor for a while. And so when we started going into this, I needed to tell myself we're on the same level now. So I need to not hesitate when something is bothering me or when I want to talk about something. And so what I tend to do is if something is bothering me, I sleep on it. And if it's still bothering me later, we'll chat about it. But I feel comfortable enough that if something is bothering me, I can 
talk to him about it and he doesn't take it personal and he doesn't get mad and um, he listens to it. And even if he doesn't necessarily agree, which I feel like we always end up finding some sort of middle ground. Um, and I think we're both really good at just kind of going with our gut feeling and we have very similar gut feelings. Yeah. On a lot of things. Yeah. And it, it, it often, I agree. You nailed it. It sounds like there's just a, an effort to communicate on a very regular basis. Always, always, always. Yeah. And that's, uh, and, and appreciate that there will be differences, miscommunications, and always assume the other person made a choice for the good reason, for the reason that it would best serve the box, the affiliate, the other coaches, whatever. That's the first assumption rather than, why did this person? That's, that's a really meta thought too, right? By the way, which is like, uh, the assumption is, is not malice, right? Which is where we all go to immediately. Like why they, well, they did that because they're selfish and they don't want to do that. When it's just like, Hey, if I was to just stop, take a breath, think about this for a second, like, I don't think they wanted to screw everybody over. They're probably right. yeah. thinking about, you know, this was, you know, or, or maybe it was, they were thinking of themselves, which by the way is okay. Right. And totally right. normal. Cause I am too right now. Yeah. I'm like, thinking about how this made me angry. Yeah. Yeah. Self-preservation <laughs> is a real thing. And so I think that's a really important distinction, but the communication uh, is, is, Interesting because I think that leads to the the other thing that I want to talk about is like because you do that well, it's not shocking to me that you guys decided to start a podcast, which yeah, is sure. which is super important and why you reached out to me uh, and why we're kind of doing this is because you had questions about what we do and but I have questions just like at what point did you decide to do a podcast and why for the gym? So Jack and Eric run a podcast for their gym, which I think every gym should do. Because going back to it, like communication is key. Yeah. So as I, I kind of wrote you that little history, we, um, we were finding that Eric and I were talking a lot and well, right? Like we were connecting um, most of the morning classes. I run the morning, he's the afternoon. It kind of splits about the middle of the day. Even if we don't physically see each other, we're texting, emailing, blah, 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 talking about how the classes went. We coach about 80% of the classes still. We like the owner operator model. Mm -hmm. We run pretty lean. Um, but what we were finding is that the morning crew pretty consistently would be Jack's classes or Jack's crew and the afternoon classes were Eric's crew. And so we saw the differences. We talked about a lot of the athletes, but every now and then somebody from the afternoon class would come to the morning class and they would, I could sense a difference in, Oh, like the expectations of words I would use or intention is the same intention that Eric would say, but just a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, it was a very serendipitous. Uh, Chris Cooper, I think either wrote a blog or put out a podcast about content development should not be for the sake of developing content or, you know, media content, mm -hmm. but it should be selfishly for you as a, affiliate owner, a coach or whatever, figure out how it's going to develop you and the purpose that it's going to serve for your community. And so I went, well, we got, you know, I like podcasts. He liked podcasts. We talk about them all the time. We talk about them with our classes while they're warming up, stretching afterwards, whatever. I said, let's do one. We got this nice little nook connected to our box. We drink coffee. We always end up, ended up talking after coffee. And so I think we're pretty alliterative. We came up with grounds after rounds and that's, Ooh, that's well, I, I see the connection there. Coffee, right? Like yeah. it. And the funny thing was the, the, the sort of, um, 
we would review coffees for the first 10 or 15 minutes at the beginning. So it was sort of a, we would buy, yeah, we'd pick up maybe yeah. like uh, one or two different type of cold brews, different brands, and we would taste it. And it was, you know, it was our excuse to be silly, yeah. but also we're both studying or trying to study for the level three. Mm -hmm. And we just weren't, nothing was connecting, nothing was sticking. We'd like block off an hour and pick an article or whatever. And it fell off about a week or two in no cards didn't work. Like nothing was working. Yeah. So we decided, all right, well, we'll review coffee. We'll nerd out about something with CrossFit. And I noticed like Doug and um, Doug Zakaris and Chris, yeah, Chris. Icon, they're doing the 10 general physical skills. Mm -hmm. They're doing a series of that. I like it. They, I think they stole that from us, but that's all right. They didn't. That's fair, probably. <laughs> they probably did. Yeah. We probably stole it from someone else. <laughs> um, but that's the space. Like, that's the beauty of it. Nothing we're doing is new, but it was a great resource for us to study explore things that made us uncomfortable try this whole like mess around with media and what it looks like and it's oh. ebbed and flowed we don't really review coffees anymore but we've had different guests on we've talked about body image issues we've talked about medical like major uh female and male medical issues and then how do they transform into the gym mm -hmm. um and I, and we're reaching i mean our audience i think is a lot bigger than we think it is but it's still the ability to be a micro casting uh, forum for us to serve our purposes and the purposes that our community says that they need. What has been the feedback from the gym about the podcast? I, uh, well, first I think it's another reason was we got a lot of the, uh, talking about CrossFit out of our system. So our wives <laughs> didn't have to hear about it all the time. So like we get a bro out or nerd out or whatever, and it takes some of the pressure off them from having to listen to us. So that helped. But, um, the thing that uh, actually lately we've been doing these fitness field trips where um, we decided we're going to try things outside of CrossFit just to kind of explore. So we did, we did jazzercise. One of our athletes Last is actually week. a jazzercise instructor. Nice. Um, do you wear an outfit? Oh, we <laughs> did. We just, wore, we just wore shorts and Fairwinds t-shirts, but okay. don't knock it. They are, it they was, are an awesome group. And, uh, but that's there's, the idea. That's there's a, there's a jazzercise, like a couple stores down from a facility that we have. And it's like, I mean, they're getting it in there, man. Like yeah. 50 years, Jason, 50 years, that thing has been going and it's that's not crazy. stopping anytime soon. No. That's crazy. But it's, um, but these lately, it's just been getting outside of, it's been us getting outside of our comfort zone, especially with the jazzercise. But, um, but it's just kind of exploring that yes we are crossfit gym we are crossfit owners we buy into crossfit um, but really we just want to explore how people are moving and just encourage that people are moving so you know everyone can do crossfit but not every, cross crossfit is not for everyone cool there are these other avenues and uh if anything it's just for us to kind of explore that and it helps us dial in more what this crossfit thing is um and then what other kind of stuff is out there and i think people have really enjoyed seeing us get a little extra silly than we normally do Yeah. Um, with these things? For me, the, um, so I, I'm a big uh, proponent of the... So I feel like I'm yelling. Am I yelling? No, no, it's good okay. audio. You're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you're not yelling. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. <laughs> I feel like the, um, the framework of observable, measurable, repeatable yeah. is one of the un, uh, uncelebrated elements of CrossFit that you could overemphasize it, but in the end, it is the thing that if you don't 
try to stay true to it, people will lose interest quickly. And so, right, I can observe improvement, I can measure improvement, and then the repeatable element of it is the thing that if you can make that happen in the first week, two weeks, three months, year, you got somebody for life. And so that framework is the one that we sort of, when we started out with this fitness field trips, we're like, all right, what we want to do is take this efficacy of CrossFit as a methodology that we know, we believe in, and we can measure it, observe it, measure it, repeat it. Let's see if these other disciplines and practices, we don't want to say they have to abide by our rules, but do they have something analogous as a metric that they use to observe improvement, measure improvement, and then give that repeatability to their participants and their community? And if they do that, do they see somebody stick? Yoga didn't really, it, it, it's a great, I mean, shoot, it's been going on for 5,000 years. So, yeah. you know, it's been around. Yeah, it's yeah. not going anywhere. But the, um, the individual practitioners, I'm not sure it has that same element to it as what we were looking for. So it was a great one. That was a fun field trip, but it didn't, it didn't feel as sticky. This jazzercise, they're legit. Like they have program, they program, they have methodology. There's a structure to it. They push it out. Like you follow it. There's, you know, development of steps. Like it has a lot of the same development and practitioner development that we do. And then they have a metric. They use and measure how many times you come. And one of our values is consistency. Mm -hmm. You know, we tell our members be consistent. You know, just pick a number and come that many times a week for three months and let us, and then we'll talk about how you're doing they're very similar. And so in that sense, though they use different language, you can tell why they've lasted. They're not a fad. Like it's, it's made it. And that was a cool thing. We're excited. I think our next one, we're looking at like more ball sports, maybe like a, um, there's a pickleball group in the area. And so like, all right, is there, does it apply? Does this metric apply? And so having this as an excuse for us to dig into what makes CrossFit a methodology and a program, mm -hmm. not just throw some balls at people and weights at people and see what they do. But there's, this is helping us develop both as coaches, as owners, as people to be able to talk about it. And then I think take that level three, cause we're embracing it. The, the jazzercise one is interesting because I, this is something that I don't think people come to the realization of until they've been doing CrossFit for a while. So, you know, there's three pieces of coach we're trying to achieve, you know, educate, inspire, entertain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think people overlook the entertainment aspect of that. Yeah. Right? And, it, and it's easy to do. And most of us do it unintentionally because we nerd out and we're like, Hey, this is how it has to work. But there is, I mean, I've been to some gyms that let's just say the coaching was not good. You know, like, and, and nope, it's not because they were resistant to, to continue education or anything like that. They just didn't know what they didn't know. Yeah. But I tell you what, the people in that gym are having a good time and the gym is packed and people are moving terribly. And I have to take a step back and say, this is a good thing. Like, like is, is as much as I want to go in here and start correcting these movements, this is a good thing. People are moving. They're having a good time. And this business owner is having a positive effect and giving people, you know, the best hour of their day. And sometimes I have to take stock in that and say, okay, <clears throat> we're good at coaching. We've got systems. Are people having fun? Yeah. Like, that's why people come back. Like people don't leave CrossFit gyms because they had a bad experience for the most part. They leave me because they, because they come indifferent. They become indifferent about CrossFit. Like yeah. they're just kind of like, meh, you know? And at that point is when you lose people. Burpees again. Blah. Yeah. Yeah. I think the fun, um, and maybe this is, this gets a little bit more, um, 
existential or a little bit, uh, you know, philosophical and the, the exploration of fun. I do think um, entertainment simply for entertainment's sake will eventually run its course and stagnate. And it, it becomes sort of the fast food of mm -hmm. fitness, um, right? Like soldier fit or these, you know, aren't them. Um, I don't want to, bash on but like high intensity interval training yep. type programs yeah they're freaking fun right you're gonna have a good time at some point though, it does wane and so the efficacy of this program that's i think the a more engaged this is where this platform this podcast is our ability to flush that kind of stuff out uh six months in we you know i said you know what any box needs to challenge. It might have, I might've heard it on somebody's podcast somewhere or something. If you haven't done dot-com programming for a year, you can't really call yourself an affiliate. That is a CrossFit affiliate. You got to go back to the mothership and try it and just do it for no other reason than to say we did it for a year. Mm. And so we talked about it in the podcast and I said, we're going to do it. Screw it. We're going to make it. And what it really did programming aside, going back to what we said at the beginning, it made us better coaches yeah. because there were some days, right? Like rowing and Cindy again, like it was, it was this, well, what do you do with that? How do you fill the hour? How do you make people still see that there's something to be learned there? And it, it ran its course and we moved on. And I think though the worth of fun doesn't mean, you know, roller coasters, candy, cotton candy and yeah. clowns fun can just be, hard and grindy if the intention is set correctly if you coach the crap out of it if you have the person's best interest in it if you do all those other things that make you a professional not just oh here's the here's the timeline here's me here's my cats and i'm gonna herd them through the hour it's interesting you say that because that was going to be my question to you is like what are some of the things that what are some of the unintentional consequences of the podcast and doing.com that you guys have noticed within your coaching? Like, cause I, like I know what it's brought for me as far as things that I've developed and I've improved at because I write a blog, because I do podcasts, because I run the YouTube channel. And the, the, the result of that were none of the things that I was trying to achieve. I was just doing things like you said, selfishly, because I was trying to either document something or just dump my mind onto some platform. But what did you guys find? I think people really, like people really buy in and I think it almost, they feel like they're just as much a part of the conversation as to what's happening in the gym and in the community well as said. we are. Well and so, yes, we're the owners. Yes, we're the coaches, but it's created this relationship where they feel like they're they're They are, and they are just as important as what's on the whiteboard, as the methodology, as anything that goes on inside this building and even outside of it. For me, the, um, as a coach, I often found myself defaulting to, well, when I did this workout or <laughs> the way I yeah. felt about this or, you know, that sort of. Which, By the way, the last hard class at the, at the prep school was 1999, just like when I was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You got it, right? Like that, that's narcissistic. Like this is about me and I'm the benchmark and blah, 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 which I think for some like it still comes in every now and then if you're talking to somebody who has, you know, an athlete who's very similar and kind of moves in the same way, you can provide context and, you know, referential experience. But what I found with these podcasts was, uh, especially when we would do one-on-one -on -one interviews with people is the patience of actually listening to somebody's story ask. And I think either you said it or Ackerman said it, 
ask one more. No, Bennington. It was when you had Chuck on. Uh, or yeah, Carswell. That's a, that's a Carswell. That's a Chuck Carswell. Carswell yeah. Yep. Ask one more question, and I took a freaking got a second master's in wellness coaching, which is all about active questioning. And I still took me doing this and putting it into practice. Ask one more question. Take another breath. Ask somebody another question. What does it feel like? Well, where do you think it fell apart? Well, what would it feel like if it was going well? You know, like stuff like that of these open-ended, no whys, all what's, where's, how's, what do you think? Um, and take or solutions, like yeah. not providing solutions. No, like let them come to it and taking 30, 45 extra seconds in the middle of a class, feeling like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, we're going to run over, oh my God, oh my God. Wait, take a breath, ask them a question. And now all of a sudden somebody goes from this like defeated, internally rotated shoulder to big smiles and they're actually having fun because mm -hmm. they're a part of the process. Yeah. I saw, we did an interview with this, with a really close friend. She's one, she started coaching here since moved. Um, and the first time we interviewed her, I had a timeline. I hit my questions. We moved on. <laughs> cut it. The feedback I got. There's a script for God's sake. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the feedback we got was, why did you guys stop? It seemed like she had so much more to say. Oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, shit. So we did a part two and I opened it with, I cut you off. We need to do this again. Let's dig deeper. And it was an awesome, like that was a byproduct that I've seen echo in my last two years of teaching at school mm -hmm. here, like everywhere of just take a breath and ask another question. Yeah. What about you, Eric? Uh, when it comes to the podcast? Or just, uh, just, just all of it in general, like that yeah, communication I mean, piece. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel the same way about Jack. Like there's all these things that kind of come and gone. And so whether it's in the podcast and talking about things. And I think with me, a lot of times, because I get in my own head a lot, as a lot of people do, talking through things helps me a lot with all these other things. Mm. And so sitting and talking about, you know, your episode on the whiteboard brief. Yeah. Um, we talked about that at one of our meetings and like how important that whiteboard brief is, but also like, don't get yourself caught up in it too much. And like, I listened to the podcast, like, oh, that stuff all really makes a lot of sense. And then we talked about it more and I started realizing, oh, I really do this and I don't do this. And so just that little thing, I think if it take, if it made three to five minutes of my class that much better on a daily basis, then that's a win. And even if it was, you know, said 30 to 45 seconds, of just asking another question. So something, the podcast, which I think a lot of people are like, what do you really have to talk about for an hour? <laughs> I, I, a lot. Well, I think we're at an hour now. So, I mean, yeah. I, the, the thing that I've learned, particularly when you, when you have a community and that community starts to grow, as it starts to go from 10 to 15 yep. to 20 to whatever, it's going to be a couple hundred. And this is something I've repeatedly have to, and I still do to this day, have to communicate to the staff is that there is no such thing as over communicating. Like it is, yeah. it is 100% without a doubt impossible to do because number one, not everybody's on every medium right? Not everybody's checking Instagram or Facebook all the time. They're like, well, it's too many posts. I'm like, it's not a thing. Like that is, that's A, that's not how the algorithm works, but B, we need to make sure that people know what is going on. And 
that is a huge thing that I've learned is that when we communicate, it has to go out on every medium. Like even if it seems like overly redundant, it's like, send it out. Like if you do a podcast, figure out how to transcribe it and put it in written form. If you do a video, figure out how to take that and make it into a podcast. Like there is, there's just no end to that communication. Like it, you just need to do it. And then what you find over time is you refine it and you get better at it and you figure out different ways to spin it. And you're never, it's never good enough. And that's the hard part about all of this in my opinion yeah. is you feel like you should be mastered at some point. And, and, and just like, we put a, po a post up on Instagram on the best hour handle yesterday about programming. <clears throat> and I feel like the communication piece is just like programming. It's, it's something you are never going to master. It is only something that you evolve into and yes. that's, and that's it. And that's the point. And I think the intention is always to, uh, to find the consistency of what you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually a question I had for you guys of, um, and you answered it that, you know, releasing an episode every day at this point, to me, from where we're coming from, our perspective, I'm like, man, that is just, that feels like overstimulation. But it would be overstimulation because it would be overstimulation for us. Mm -hmm. We're like, it's a, it is now in a weekly cycle for us because the podcast is sort of the thing where we hash out the week of thoughts and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But for you guys, it isn't, it's, it's definitely, it's serving its purpose of it's these little chunks of knowledge where we can, you can come back to them and it becomes a resource for coaches, affiliate owners and stuff to come. So that's it. I'm glad you said that. Well, it's also, they're different, you know, so context matters. Like if somebody was going to suggest they were going to do a daily podcast for an affiliate, that would be, that would, that would be exhausting. You know, like once a week, is plenty. Yeah. You know, a bi-weekly podcast is, is, is plenty enough for most affiliates. Um, but this is different just because we have so many people we want to talk to. And going back to what you said before, and I've said this repeatedly on the podcast, like it's selfish. And you asked me a question is like, why did you guys start the podcast? And the reason we started the podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, is because, you know, Ackerman and I talked about this for probably far too long before we started was we were having all these conversations anyway. Yeah, like we were having this conversation. We were having the conversation with Chuck, and at some point, the the selfishness of that kind of got to me. And I was like, other people, a, I think want to be a part of this conversation. They're just not physically here. Yeah. So why don't we just share that with the world? Like, why don't we just open up that that discussion to everybody? Because like, clearly, we're passionate about it. We all know there's no shortage of people that like to talk about CrossFit. So why don't we just open that up to the world? And it's been amazing. And I think going back to, you know, not because we're amazing, it has nothing to do with that. It's just because like, we are passionate about it, just as other people are, we just happen to have resources because of because of what we do professionally. Mm -hmm. But the key takeaway and probably why your podcast is successful within your gym is because it is selfish because it provides value to you, but it also provides value to everybody in your immediate circle. And I think that comes back to your original thing of why, even if we are a gym of 60 people and, you know, are of a small little circle, the reason is exactly the same. Your circle is just a little bit bigger because you guys have access to these big name things and you serve a purpose. The audience, it feels, you nailed it. It feels exactly the way you described it. Like, I feel like I, you know, I, um, the Tosh episode, mm -hmm. right? I haven't, talked to, I haven't talked to Tosh in a long time. He was at the Academy when yep. he was behind the scenes a lot. 
help him with Moon Gold. Um, but it was great to hear him. It was great to hear you two talking. It felt like I was in the room with two guys I know. But even if I didn't know him, which I had a chance to talk to somebody who listened to the podcast, and we're like, wow, that was a really great insight into you know, endurance training and mindset and stuff. And, and so the, it serves these secondary tertiary stream purposes that we don't even know, the, the ripple effect. Um, it's the, yours is the exact same reason as ours the volume or the size of the audience doesn't matter. If it was just the no, two, it's, it's irrelevant. Doing it. Yeah, it's irrelevant. And I've said that before in the podcast that if some of like, if some of those podcasts never saw the light of day, like I selfishly would have been like, I got something out of this, but like totally. we're just fortunate yeah. enough to be able to put them on this medium and go out. Yeah. So from a, from a, from an affiliate owner standpoint, I guess my practical advice would be, you know, figure doing a podcast. A is not hard, right? Like, <laughs> It, it's re, it's it's so incredibly easy. Like just, I got an iPhone. Yeah, I have an iPhone. And if you're and if you're struggling with how to start that, here here is my advice, and you guys can give me yours. Find the person that you find most interesting in the gym. Hmm. Buy them coffee. Sit down. You don't even have to tell them what you're going to talk about. Press record and start asking them questions. Totally. And then, and outside of that, the other thing is maybe you're not good at writing, but like. When Jess pushed me, Jess, my wife, when she pushed me to start writing the blog, she was like, you don't, she's like, you don't have to talk at people. She's like, just tell them about yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So I write my blog and my, my blog is, is mostly the, the comedy that is my life. You don't have that many spelling and grammar errors, by the way. I disagree with you. you, you it was a very humble brag. It's yeah, actually yeah. pretty clean, buddy. Well, <laughs> I'm definitely, well, I definitely, it's, it's evolved. I will tell you that. It's, it's evolved. <laughs> But like one of the things I was always very conscious of is I don't want to talk at people. I just want to tell people my story. And this is like, this is what I learned. Take it or leave it. Like if, if you don't read it, it's fine. It's, it's, it's partially not for you anyway. It's for me. Yeah. So, but the feedback that we've gotten off of that and that I've gotten personally and the feedback that we get from the, from the podcast, it is, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say, I don't have all the answers. It's okay to say like, I messed up and it, it, it fosters that community and that bond that you really, really want in an affiliate, which is like people, they want to get something more than fitness out of coming into the walls. Of Heck yeah. 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 <laughs> what else? So, um, we, uh, we're gonna, I don't know if you, you probably haven't listened to ours and I didn't tell you this in the, uh, the write up that I sent to you. So we do a thing at the end of ours. Um, Chris and Doug have their, uh, pet peeve of the week. Yep. And so we decided uh, we wanted to do a gratitude of the week. Ooh, okay. Simple, you know, it can be as big as, uh, you know, world peace, and it can be as simple as um, I'm wearing show. these. So mine is, and the, the, I'll give you, so here's mine. Go ahead. Eric gave me these Lululemon shorts. I'm showing, I'm showing Jason on the camera. Yep. You can't see it. He gave me these a while back, and they have an insert in them, like an underwear insert. Okay. And, like, so you don't have to wear underwear if you don't want to. Yep. So for the longest time, I didn't like the shorts because I wouldn't wear underwear because I had the insert and it sucked yep. or whatever. So I started wearing underwear with them and I'm really grateful that I did. I love these shorts. They're like my new shorts. It's like, it, it, it just, it feels... You feel secure. You feel I feel secure. snuggled. I feel very <laughs> snuggled. And so that's my gratitude of figuring out, like, you're still allowed to wear underwear even if you've got inserts in those shorts. So there right. you go. Go, Eric. The handstand work yesterday. Yes. I'm really glad yes. he had underwear. Things held together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Eric, what do you got? Uh, so mine's actually um, 
So, um, so my oldest brother, Michael, just celebrated his 40th birthday. And uh, so for the longest time, I, so my dad's name is Michael Lewis. My brother's name is Michael James. I'm Eric Michael, and my brother is Stephen James. And so I used to like rag my parents like, yeah, right? Like use James, Michael's been used three times. James has been used twice. I was like, why are my parents so lazy when it comes to like me? And I was talking to my sister the other day and she goes, who's Jennifer Ann? So that's, she's, she got away from James and Michael. Yeah. And she goes, well, you know why those are your middle names, right? I'm like, yeah, because mom and dad got lazy. She goes, no, no, no. She goes, when you and, so I have a twin brother. So okay. when, he goes, when you and Stephen were born, they wanted to give you each one of Michael's names, Michael and James, so that that way you always had a gift from your older brother. Aww. And okay. so, so Michael James, my older brother, I'm Eric Michael, and, my, and Stephen is Stephen James. So we always have this gift of the name of my older brother. I was like, oh, man, that was so, <laughs> I was like, I feel like a jerk for all these years saying my parents were lame. Oh, that's cool. That story. So if anything, they were lame for not telling me a story. So I'm. So my gratitude is my parents and, and my brother and that kind of thought in behind what I thought were cool. just boring middle names. I like it. I'll go. It's my turn. <laughs> I, uh, I'm grateful for having some people in my inner circle who are free of judgment for the amount of mistakes that I make on a daily basis. That's so awesome. for anybody well, who's not, yeah, for anybody who's not, been in the in the inner circle of somebody who is very entrepreneurial in nature um it can be a rough road mm. like you just kind of have to follow this person into the fray and hope that it, you come out uh, okay on the other end and uh, i'm lucky to have some ride or die people in my circle that they kind of get it and they've told me they're like we get it we're on board it's fine like um, which has helped me acknowledge a lot of mistakes along the way, which has helped foster all of those relationships. We're like, hey guys, I really fucked that up. I'm sorry. So lesson learned moving on forward. So um, yeah, if you can be vulnerable and you can bring those people into your inner circle, life gets real good. Yeah, that's a good one, man. That's a good one. All right, Jack, I know you're a reader, but Eric, I'm in here too. What, uh, if you could recommend a book, doesn't have to be a business book. And I know you guys are hip to this already because you listen to the podcast, but like, what would yeah, it be? Yeah, I, I forgot though. I forgot about this, but I was listening to one of the episodes recently as I was walking. Oh, with Chris Irwin. Chris Irwin. Yeah. yeah. Was that your set? Is that 97 grad? So he, is that? He's a 97, yep. He is a 97 grad. But you know, he and I rode together too while we were there. At, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. We okay. were in the, uh, we were in a four together at, uh, um, uh, Stoats, not Stoats, at Nationals, his first his senior, my sophomore year, youngster okay. year. Uh, yeah. First we the youngster for all the Naval yeah, Academy. We were, the leftover, we were the leftover boat and we loved it. We had the most. Yeah. I anyway, like it. So yeah, I heard his recommendation of do work. Good press fields. That was a good, good choice. But I'll let Eric jump in. That's funny. So books I'm currently reading. Um, if you give a mouse a cookie, uh, <laughs> Batbar Summer Picnic. <laughs> And um, and then one about Fiona the hippo. So, so I'm, if okay. you give a mouse a cookie, don't sell that short, right? That whole series is about consequences. Yes. And it's this idea of just because you think it will, like everything, everything's connected. Everything will come back. So the idea of you know Nietzsche's eternal recurrence, like the heaviness of life, is that everything comes back to serve its purpose. Also, toddlers love it. So. <laughs> yeah. 
I was um, gonna I was gonna say don't sleep on the kids' books. Yeah, right. <laughs> a lot to be learned there. Look at that! I was like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing lesson. It is. It I find is. Find myself reading books even after cookie. she's already asleep. So. Oh, that's uh, and you find yourself still reading it, and you're like, oh, I guess you weren't enjoying this. this is fine. I'll yes. read myself. <laughs> um, um, I definitely have a list, really, really long, and so I was trying to think of like what's been most impactful and has come up. Um, there's two actually that I'm going to cheat. One is um, Naval Harari's Sapiens, which oh is, yeah, Joe. I've heard Joe Rogan long. talk about that. Yeah, yeah. It is. If you want to talk about something, he's a he's a historian and he's amazing at it. Um, his second one, Homo Deus, I didn't think was as good, but the Sapiens. There is a couple middle chapters that explain so much about language and the way we form and things that make that we really go, oh my gosh, that totally makes sense. And it we can are be still applied. monkeys. Yeah, it can be applied <laughs> like universally as a species, culturally as our country, and then in the box, like you can see the different levels of it. And then there's one, this is a straight up nerd text. I actually sent it to Bergeron a while back and never heard anything. So I don't know if he ever got it. Um, so if he listens, if he listens to your podcast and he hears this, you know. I don't know, but he does use the phrase best hour of their day quite a bit on yeah, his podcast. Yeah, about yes. that. Trademark, um, trademark. But it's called uh, The Metaphors We Live By. Um, okay. And it, it, again, it defines how language works that you can't get away from metaphors, that everything we talk about is in metaphors because it is experientially powerful and it's how we orient ourselves to things we don't understand, mm -hmm. to things we do understand. And so oh, yeah. we, teach it, we teach it to English, they loved it, to the top 50 in the class at and it resonates and so it's a great those are my two sort of if if you're in this coaching space we use language as our medium to convey to people experiential importance you need to be thinking about the language you use and that's a great book to do it i like it now i will tell you you can get away it like metaphors can get out of hand right so that's one thing yeah. if you if you get into well this is just from a practical standpoint from a coaching and public speaking standpoint like metaphors are great but in small doses so right, right there, but do you get, that's a metaphor. Exactly. So that's when some, there was an article recently in the Morning Chalk Up of why still use RX. And I think she's wrong. I forget who wrote it. I can't remember her name all of a sudden. Um, I don't know, but I know what you're I talking about. I think she's wrong because if you look at it, it's a metaphor. It's a prescriptive yeah. metaphor. It's like a doctor doesn't just, right? Things, Advil doesn't come in whatever dose you want. It comes in 200 milligram capsules. <laughs> because it has an efficacy. Now you can take four capsules. Eric, this is the analytical part of, uh, of Jack coming out here right now. Yeah. yeah, it does not, right? It comes in a bottle of, you know, 40 capsules, 200 milligrams of thing because there's a, there's a consistency to it. And so prescription, Rx, is a thing. It's just badly used a lot of times. And so that's- Agreed, which is a whole nother topic. Exactly. We, we could literally do a topic just on that, which yeah. we don't do. Um, there you go, and yeah. that's a metaphor. Yeah, that's a metaphor. Uh, <laughs> one, one book that, that Jack, you turned me on to, which I read, which is a really good one, is Influence. Uh, uh, great yeah. book, right? That's a great book. So if you have not read Influence and you are in the customer service business, yes. you, re you need to read Influence and understand um, all that stuff. But big takeaway for today, guys. Learn how to communicate with your team, with your partners, with the community, and you can do that via a whole bunch of different mediums, and there is no over-communication. It is not cool. a thing, so do it. Um, awesome, guys. I know you guys got places to be. Thank you for your time. This was fun. I appreciate yeah. it.
Thanks so much. Yep. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, one more time, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and send us any feedback you have to at Best Hour of Their Day on Instagram and Best Hour of Their Day at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. We appreciate you. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day.